Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are going to be doing Classical Studies 101, the Odyssey Chapter 17. And uh, as always, if you'd be kind enough to leave a high rating or a lovely comment on whatever platform you're using to listen to us, that would be great. That's presuming, of course, you have something nice that you feel about us, but I'm betting and hoping that you do. So without further ado, let us bring in our guide for the Odyssey, the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Listen to that crowd. I think Gary's being bashful. He's not coming on just yet. So Gary, come on out. Come out, come out wherever you are. We're ready to roll. All right, so Gary is here. So yes, let's, give here. You, let's give you a light applause for that. Okay. Uh, Gary, so we're going to do the Odyssey Chapter 17. Why don't you kind of give us a quick recap of Chapter 16 and then bring us right into the next chapter. Well, 16 was about the um, reunion of uh, Odysseus and uh, his son Telemachus and um, and and the swineherd or pig farmer Eumaeus, you know. And uh, so all this is preparatory to uh, Odysseus uh, going back into his palace and dealing with the 108 suitors that have taken over the palace and lording it over the palace and eating them out of house and home and trying to force themselves on his beautiful wife and queen Penelope. So these chapters are all preparatory. And this one, uh, Robert Fagels, and I keep referring to his uh, pretty good translation, he entitles the chapter Stranger at the Gates, Book 17. Uh, and so I'll read the uh, introduction. Okay. When young dawn, and dawn is a goddess, when young dawn rose with her rose-red fingers shone once more, Telemachus, the son of Odysseus, you know, strapped on his rawhide sandals to his feet, and the young prince, the son of King Odysseus, picked up his rugged spear that fit his grip and striking out for the city. You know, Fagel translated as city, but it was really a town. Ithaca town, told his swineherd, Eumaeus, I'm off to town, old friend, to present myself to mother. She'll never stop her bitter tears and mourning. Well, I know, till she sees me face to face. In other words, she's worried about Telemachus. As, as any mother would, right? Her son well, is she, she heard that away. the suitors sailed assassins to uh, murder him, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
on top of the normal maternal or paternal that would happen with the father concern, you have all this other, you know, all this other danger that you just mentioned. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, I'm off to town, old friend, to present myself to mother. She'll never stop her bitter tears and mourning till she sees me face to face. And for you, I have some words. Take this luckless stranger, meaning Odysseus, to town so he can beg his supper there. So in other words, uh, Athena transformed him back to look like an old beggar man, you know. So he can uh, beg for some crumbs and a cup to drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, if a stranger resents it, meaning the uh, suitors, it's all the worse for them. I like to tell the truth and tell it straight. And then um, uh, and then Odysseus breaks in. He says, my friend, subtle Odysseus, broke in. I have no desire myself to linger here. Better than beggars cage their meals in town than in the fields. Some willing soul will see to my needs and so on. So he's still acting like a beggar, you know. Um, and so uh, they set off, and Telemachus starts striding through the farm, meaning the pig farm, mm-hmm. with quick, firm strides and so on. Uh, and he brooding, meaning he's uh, thinking about death for the suitors. And then once he reached a well-constructed palace, they keep saying, uh, Homer uh, keeps saying that. And, you know, I, uh, I did a uh, floor plan of my take on what the palace would have looked like, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was searching for it when I uh, could uh, could do so. The Lost Palace of Odysseus. We've the lost talked about it a little bit. Which uh, hasn't the been podcast. found. They, they found the city of Troy that Homer mentions, but they haven't found the palace yet. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm, I have a good candidate site on the island of Kefalonia in Greece, but uh, I, I need funding to go there to prove it, you know. And uh, we were shut down. The world was shut down for a little bit. So that yeah, for COVID, back. last three years, basically. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll see if I can restart it. You will. We'll get, we'll, we're all going to be on board for that. So <clears throat> so he's on his way. So when Telemachus, uh, he comes to the palace. And, and the first to see him is his old nurse, Eurycleia. She was his nursemaid when he was a baby. And so tears sprang to her eyes, according you know the translation. She rushed straight to the prince. As the inner maids of great Odysseus flocked around him, hugged him warmly, kissed his head and shoulders. Now down from her chamber came discreet Penelope, looking for all the world like Artemis, you know the goddess Artemis or golden Aphrodite. I think we all know who the goddess Artemis is. Artemis is beloved on this podcast, along with, of course, our matron Circe, and Artemis being the matron of the Amazons and the goddess of the hunt and the moon. We love Artemis. Yes. Okay, so moving on. And the sister of Apollo. Mm-hmm. Less important, but anyway. I'm yeah, whatever. Uh, All right, so <laughs> go on. You were saying. And so um, Penelope says, You're home, Telemachus. Words flew from her heart. Sweet light in my eyes. I never thought I'd see you again once you shipped to uh, Pylos. Um, and, uh, and Telemachus replies, Please, mother, don't move me to tears. Don't stir my heart inside me. I've just escaped from death. 
no bathe now and put on some fresh clothes. <laughs> so they 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 need to do that all the time, you know. And then he tells that's what he's telling his mother to do, and he says, Go up to your own room to your serving women and pray. Pray to the gods, to Zeus if he will ever grant us our hour of revenge. So uh, in my floor plan, I had uh, an upper story and a lower story, and I had Penelope's uh, room where she slept uh, in the upper floor. But apparently when she was with Odysseus, they had a royal nuptial bedroom on the ground floor. How, uh, just to give a perspective to the listener, how large is this palace? Is it the kind of gigantic palace we think no. of? The Middle I, Ages I or is this a, a smaller? What do you, I, th- what do I you think, think it's it a is? relatively small palace. It just mm-hmm. wasn't that great of a uh, a king, you know, that owned, that would uh, have such a, a grand palace. Great meaning just not that powerful or large of a king. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was so. great in terms of his uh, influence. Exactly. And, his abilities. Um, his presence in both the Iliad and the Odyssey, but not, not great in terms of wealth. In fact, there's a, it has a dirt floor, you know, as we talked about in, uh, as we'll talk about later in the, in the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And that tells me it's kind of a low-rent palace. You know, yeah, so. exactly. Um, and then Telemachus says, um, he says, I, I'm off to the meeting ground. So they had a place outside the palace where they would meet and, uh, you know, and, and have uh, speakers give speeches, announce things, and whatever, you know. So he's off to do that, you know. And, uh, but as for Penelope, she follows her son's uh, directions, and she bathes and puts on fresh clothes and everything, you know. And it says, spear in hand, Telemachus strode through the hall and out, and accompanied by a pair of sleek hounds. And then the goddess Athena lavished a marvelous splendor on the prince. So all the people gazed in wonder, even the swaggering uh, suitors who had murder in their hearts. And he goes to the the meeting grounds and so on. Um, And uh, and then apparently he goes on and, uh, and, uh, you know, as Fagel translates, her plans made, he, meaning, uh, uh, he, he's asking a friend uh, called Piraeus to lead uh, 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 Odysseus uh, back to the palace. And so, you know, that, that, that happens. This, this chapter at the beginning is a little bit uh, convoluted, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's and asking then, Odysseus, but he, he hasn't revealed who Odysseus is. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's still Odysseus is still in disguise. Hasn't revealed it to his mother, you know, or to any to anyone else, I assume. So he's still in disguise. Okay. So Odysseus in disguise is going to be led to the palace. And so Penelope tells him, uh, "Telemachus, I'm going back to my room upstairs." In other words, that's further proof that her uh, bedroom was upstairs. To lie down on my bed, that bed of pain. My tears have streaked it year in and year out from the day Odysseus sailed away to Troy. And then Telemachus says, of course, mother. And then he tells, uh, she wants to know what happened to Telemachus. And so he starts telling her uh, what he did, how he went to 
Pilos to meet old King Nestor to try to find his father, find word of his father, and then he went on to Sparta to meet with Menelaus and Helen of Troy to again find or find word of his father. And, uh, and not having done that, he returns, you know, he returned. Um, and so the, the chapter. <laughs> well, what, what does he tell her of the word? So he, he tells her he wants to, went to find word of his father. What does yeah. he say to her? Does he tell her? Well, how much does he reveal that he knows about Odysseus? He, he doesn't reveal Odysseus to her yet. Mm -hmm. He just talks about, uh, you know, going the, to those two palaces and meeting uh, those two kings. The hearsay or mm -hmm. the, the rumor or whatever it is that he's heard from them, he doesn't, of course, reveal that he knows he has seen now Odysseus. Um, but he just gives he, her he did, the he stories that one, he... He didn't meet one man who tells him that uh, that he saw Odysseus on an island in the island of uh, the goddess uh, Calypso, and he says who holds him there by force. So that not much he he found out. And he said, uh, and the person that told him was Menelaus. And he shares that with Penelope. Yeah. Okay. Wonder how she. Wonder. I wonder what how she as a wife. I've received that information that her husband is being kept prisoner by a goddess. I love goddess. Right. Yeah. You, you wonder how that goes over, you know? Yeah, exactly. What she'll say to him once he's back. <clears throat> but okay. Yeah. I've had women say that they, they don't respect Odysseus because of uh, that sort of thing, but you have to <clears throat> judge a, a person in the context of the time in which they lived. Well, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm willing to judge a person even by sort of contemporary standards, depending on this, the, the issue. I think in this case, the, the difference I would say is that he is captured, the way the story is constructed is he's forced into his behavior with, with Calypso. So yeah, he's, uh, he's, not will, he, he's not doing it willingly. No, so. in fact, he uh, weeps every day. He goes, sits on his rock by the beach and weeps every day, you know? Yeah, I mean, conversely, were he not married, most of us would say, well, you, you, you know, boo-hoo that you're with this love goddess. But, of course, he has a wife, so it makes it different. So, anyhow, um, Telemachus, Eumaeus, and the disguise Odysseus uh, make their way <clears throat> into the palace. And it says, while the suitors before Odysseus' palace are amusing themselves by throwing the discus and... Uh, Long-throwing spears. So it's like they're playing games, like guys now would be tossing the ball around. Right. Okay. You know, uh, or playing tennis or, you know, whatever, you know? Yeah, I, I, I guess I picture it as being like if you had a bunch of guys waiting in front of some woman's house and they were, you know, throwing the football around or, you know, playing catch with a baseball. It's, it's a pretty it's a pretty bold behavior you know in someone else's property yeah. around around a, a woman who is still married so yes yeah these guys are yeah and, and it's outrageous the way they're behaving you know eating them out house you know, they're partying every day at, at uh, the palace's expense you know absolutely brazen yeah yeah it's brazen <clears throat> so anyhow they make their way back in and to uh and then as uh fables translated to wild, reckless taunts. And just as Odysseus is passing, 
one of the suitors reaches out with a heel and tries to, you know, trip him and so on. Um, and then Odysseus uh, was torn. Should he wheel on his staff and, in other words, beat this jerk up or, or not disclose who he is yet? And he decides to not disclose who he is yet. And uh, and then he talks about uh, Homer talks about that you know they're having uh, wine and music. They have a, a a harpist playing a lyre. His name is Phemius. So they have music and everything going on, you know. And uh, and then Odysseus is saying, "Friend, what a noble house, Odysseus' house. There must be no mistake in it, you know, and so on." Um, and here a little architectural reference for me, one building linked to the next and the courtyard wall finished off with fine coping and the double doors meaning the uh, main gates, you know. So it is a palace in sort of what we imagine in traditional form, that gate you open into. It's just not a large one. Um, no, not a large one. The gates open into a large courtyard that has uh, two columned uh, porticos or porches, mm-hmm. and then it goes into uh, another courtyard, and <clears throat> that leads into a, a, a little porch with two columns, and then you have a ante room or four palace, and then you have the um, uh, you know or four hall, and then you have the uh, main hall, you know, where the king would sit. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, as the ditches comes up to the uh, palace, uh, now as they as they walked on, a dog lay there, lifted up his muscle, pricked his ears. It was Argos, long enduring uh, dog of Odysseus. And Odysseus trained him as a puppy. So in other words, he was a puppy when Odysseus left for Troy, and now he's still alive twenty years later. That's an old dog. It's an old dog, but he loves Odysseus. Mm-hmm. But in his prime, you know, um, Homer says that he uh, could outrun wild goats and deer and hares and so on. Um, but anyhow, um, the dog knows it's Odysseus, even though he's disguised, okay? And the dog is lying on a dung heap, as Homer describes it, and he is infested with ticks half dead from neglect and so on. But the dog loves Odysseus. He thumps his tails, his ears dropped and so on. Uh, And it says, Odysseus glanced to the side and flicked away a tear, hiding it from Eumaeus. Odysseus loved his dog. And I think that's a very touching part of the Odyssey, that Odysseus' love for his dog and his dog's love for him. It's a beautiful scene. So the dog immediately recognizes Odysseus and... Um, you, his tail begins to wag. Yeah, that that's really yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful sequence. Okay, and he says, with that, Odysseus uh, enters the well-constructed palace, strode through the halls, and joined the proud suitors. But the dark shadow of death closed down on Argos's eyes. At the instant he saw Odysseus, you know, and so on. So the poor dog dies there. Well, he gets to see his his you know beloved Odysseus return. So right. uh, it's just the span of his life. This is uh, Odysseus goes into his house looking for all the world like an old 
a broken beggar, hunched on a stick, body wrapped in shameful rags, and so on. Um, and uh, but you know, Eumaeus and Telemachus are trying to show him kindness and so on. Um, and Eumaeus is trying to introduce uh, Odysseus to the suitors, you know. Um, and uh, Benantinomus, who's the leader of the suitors, who was played by Anthony Quinn, you know, in the uh, Kirk Douglas version of the Odyssey right. called Ulysses. Mm-hmm. Um, Antinous wheels on Eumaeus, lashing out of him. Swineherd, why, why drag this into town? Haven't we got our share of vagabonds to deal with, disgusting beggars who lick the feasters' plates? Must you invite this rascal into the bargain? And then Eumaeus responds, Antinous, highborn as you are, that was a mean, low speech. So Antinous is rebuking uh, Antinous. Who was rebuking whom? Uh, Eumaeus, the pig farmer, is uh, rebuking Antinous, the leader of the suitors. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, part of this is uh, about Zania, about how to be kind. And here, here we have beggars, and we're talking every day about the homeless in Los Angeles, the thousands of homeless that aren't being taken care of. Mm-hmm. And it's as current as the current race for the mayor of Los Angeles, where uh, Rick Caruso and Karen Bass are vying with each other to see who would be the next mayor. And Rick Caruso has a better plan for the homeless than uh, Karen Bass. And just he cares for the listener, more about this, the homeless than she does, apparently. Just for the listener, that we are not making, 34 Circus Salon is not endorsing any candidates for mayor. We're just, <laughs> that's this, those are Gary's opinions. Um, but yes, I think that's an issue for um, the entire country right now. Uh, there are people suffering. And of course, it's an issue that has plagued humanity throughout, but it's uh, intensified as we know now. And obviously, and it's, interesting how, that how it's brought, handled there. And it's interesting that it's brought up in the Odyssey, you know, mm-hmm. kindness towards people who, you know, are, are beggars or homeless or whatever, you know. I'd like to think that that's part of the, the core of our humanity. You know, how we yeah. Treat those so who it shows a humanity in the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so Odysseus goes up to Antinous face to face. He says, give me a morsel, friend. You're hardly the worst uh, Greek here. The noblest one, in fact. You look like a king to me. So would, So you should give a beggar crust a bigger uh, crust than the rest here, and I will sing your praises. And um, and and Antinous uh, responds, uh, and you know, quote, boiling over, you know, when it just says, "Pity, pity," you know, "Pity me," you know. And Antinous gives him a scaling look, you know, and he says, "You know, good God Almighty," you know. Uh, who is this pest, you know, and uh, enough, you know, get lost, he tells him. And then, uh, you know, so he's, he's mean to him, you know, it just shows that, uh, you know, he's a leader of the suitors and they're all mean and uh, uncharitable, you know, they're not charitable. 
and um, and then so it's, it goes on here. Uh, Queen Penelope heard how Antinous uh, struck the stranger. Antinous actually picks up a stool and hits Odysseus with it. Hits him on his back. So, seeing Odysseus as the beggar, he yeah. It's I as I'm listening to it, I imagine it's Odysseus trying to really snuff out what kind of a man he is and the bed are generally, you know, just to really maybe for his own certainty in his heart when he when he's about to Yeah, to justify the fact he's, exactly. he's going to kill them all, you know. Yeah, I think that's part of what's going on there. So yeah, Queen Queen Penelope heard how Antino struck the stranger and she cries out May Apollo the archer strike you just as hard, Antinous. You know. And then she tells her housekeeper, Euronymy, she says, uh, they're all hateful, plotting her vicious plots, but Antinous is the worst of all. He's black death himself and so on. Um, and uh, and then Penelope calls uh, Eumaeus, uh, this the pig farmer, and she says, "Go, good Eumaeus, tell the stranger to come at once. I'd like to give him a warm welcome." And then uh, Eumaeus says, "My queen, three nights and three days I kept him in, in my shelter." Again, the sacred number three, you know. Mm-hmm. So he said, uh, "Anyhow." Uh, so this is all about showing kindness, you know. Right, right, exactly. So Penelope does show it. So she uh, tells she tells him. Uh, uh, the cautious queen responded, "Call him here, so he can tell his tale to me face to face, and so on." And then she's pining. You know, if only Odysseus could come back to his native soil now, he and his son would avenge the outrage of these suitors. You know. Mm-hmm. So Odysseus in disguise is about to come to her. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so then uh, you know, it says, off the swineherd went, following her instructions, made his way to the stranger's side, winged a word, old friend, our queen, wise Penelope, summons you, the prince's mother. Her spirit moves her now, heart, heart sick as she is. To answer a question or two about her husband and so on. And and uh, so Odysseus uh, agrees to do it, you know. And so basically, uh, uh, after Eumaeus does that, you know, the chapter basically ends. And the uh. swineherd sat down again on his polished stool. And once he supped and drunk to his heart's content, back he went to his pigs, leaving the royal precincts. Still filled with features, meaning the, the suitors, all indulging now in the joys of dance and song. The day was over, dusk was falling fast. And that's so, basically how it ends. Very dramatic ending. So we, it really sets this sort of pregnant moment where you've got the suitors and they're all feasting. And now Odysseus is finally going to see his beloved in disguise. They're finally going to meet. And uh, we obviously are building up to a Big resolution in terms well, of. Well, the thing is, what Odysseus will uh, unleash. You know, from Odysseus' point of view, what the suitors have done is what uh, Putin has done in Ukraine. In other words, in, 
invade his kingdom, invade his uh, country, and uh, and behaving terribly. Gary is unleashing the political, contemporary political references, analogs to today's chapter. We have the L.A. mayor's race, and then we have the international view on that. You know, the um, war in Ukraine, you know. And, well. And just like the suitors are uh, going to be killed by Odysseus, the Ukrainians are uh, killing the Russians and driving them off their country, you know, good for them. You know, the, they're valiant, and they, they, they're fighting for their freedom. Well, again, uh, with as with any case, you certainly want people to stand up for their own freedoms and rights, but we do not um, – we certainly do not wish to see killing, more killing and more death um, no, no, throughout the world. The so Russians – you know, Putin would just give in and get out without any more killing, uh, great. But uh, he's not. He's hell-bent on trying to conquer the country, and he's going to lose. Just, well, like, the, just like Antinous and the suitors are going to lose. Well, one of the great things with Homer, uh, and I think we discussed it with the elite in particular, is no matter how noble the war, it's still a very brutal undertaking. And so it'll be... Um, yes. It's interesting to hear this from an ancient perspective uh, and to look at these things from that perspective. But with that, I want to thank, as always, Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for listening. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. This has been the 34 Circe Salon Parallax Channel. We're doing Classical Studies 101. We have just talked about Chapter 17 of the Odyssey. We will be back again with you very soon. Thank you, and God bless.